here we are with Prop 208 trying to get our signatures in COVID, setting up stations where we have hand sanitizer laid out with each pen, disposable pens or pens that will be sanitized and put in a bucket and waited, wait for a week to use again. Um, and we're trying to get the word out and we're trying to talk about it and how do we help them, you know, understand that. And then we get it on the ballot or we get it in, turn it in, double the amount that they need, clearly shows that Americans or Arizonans think that this should happen. And then the, the conversation about COVID changes and starts to agitate people. So now people are back, you know, politicizing that idea again that that Prop 208 is is the teachers' unions ploy, right. what to get more money into schools. We're pretty for open your about children. that. Yeah, we're yep. And Guys, I just need another yeah. boat <laughs> in addition to my first boat that I have. Right? Did you think we forgot about you? We did not forget about you. We just been kind of busy. Join us today for part two of our interview with Christina Bustos regarding Prop 208 and be inspired in these last days before the election. So let's pretend that this was a state that wasn't opposed to funding education. The sort of hurdles and roadblocks you have had to overcome, were they only political ones? If I want to get something on the ballot that's not a political hot potato, um, no raisins and trail mix. Let's say that that is my, I want to get that on the ballot. Not really offending anybody. No one's got a big stake in it. What are the hurdles and roadblocks that I'm going to come up against? From what I hear, if we take the March for Our Lives, young adults that were working on the law, it's definitely important for you to do your research and then to, to and then you know make your idea simple and go and talk to some of the people that you align yourself with. I know who I would go to if I needed help, but I also know. Who is going to have the biggest opposition, right? Like in in helping me do this stuff. So I would say, you know, work with your unions. If there was a trail mix union, you should get yeah, in it yeah. because <laughs> yeah, they might, you know, they might be able to help you. But definitely, just getting together groups of people to talk about the issues and being open about them, and then then creating some kind of a solution. Politicians had the opportunity to just pass it, like they could have just taken the bill and said, "Let's take this bill, make it a law, let's do something about this," but they chose not to, which is kind of great in our instance because. By the way, Prop 208 is a, a secured funding source that cannot be undone by politicians, right? So, so one of the other really key things is that we would have to change the law. We would have to change the law. Mm-hmm. And it's a dedicated funding source. It would bring $940 million annually into our school systems. And while people might think, well, that is a lot of money, you already have a lot of money, the amount of money that would go to us in one year would be equal to the amount of money we do for bonds and overrides. So for all those people that are concerned about their taxes being raised, which they're not actually going to be, I don't, I don't know how many, 250. Uh, Our subscribers are usually not that wealthy, but if they are, again, write us <laughs> yeah. a check. I mean, we accept Um, donations, so. I don't know how many of them have to worry about that, but think about this. Every single person in the city that you live in will benefit from your city's school district getting it in in education, but also at some point, maybe in the next six years, 
we may not have to do bonds and overrides. Now, don't quote me on that because like, I don't know. I, that's just my thing that I tell people because I believe that if we had the money in from the coming from the state, that the city taxes would not be so high. I mean, it stands to reason. Yeah, because that's where you yeah. get your money from, right? And like, think about what mm-hmm. resources that would free up for the city. You want to talk about, hey, you know what? You want to give pol- uh, police and fire a raise? Hey, pass this 208 because guess what it's going to do? It's going to lessen the amount of money from city taxes that goes into education and it can increase the number of the amount of money that goes into their other areas. Well, and I really just think about how much money getting Prop 208 passed has got to be extremely expensive. When I think about how much the yeah. campaign has to spend to get signs made, I mean, we're talking, we talked a few weeks ago to people running for school board. And even now, you know, our friend mm-hmm. Sarah James, who's running for TUHSD school board, she needs, oh, Sarah? yes, she needs money for stamps. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, <laughs> I want to donate money for stamps. I did the math, 28 postcards she can send with my $10. Yeah. That's not much. So when you think about how much money is needed for a campaign, a simple one that's sending out postcards to its constituents. So when we think about yeah. 208 money, and then we think about every bond Every override, all the resources that teachers have to constantly spend, how many meetings we get pulled into, you know, before our working hours to make sure that that teachers understand what we're asking for in the bond mm-hmm. election so that we can go out and we can organize. I was like, oh my gosh, what if we could just teach instead? Imagine if yeah. that if that money <laughs> that we spend and that time <laughs> that we spent trying to ask the public for money, what if we just got money? And then we taught Mm -hmm. classes to children. Yeah, we weren't like hawking wrapping paper and chocolate bars for everybody to try (laughs) to get. For health insurance? (laughs) For health insurance. Actually, that might also be another advantage for those people that are not so keen on it. Like, hey, how about you fund our schools so we don't have to go out and kind of like cause. Pester you. Yes. Constantly asking you for money. I want to ask you once. I want it to be a big ask. Ask with a K. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> we don't ask you again and then it's over. And then with you, yeah. all you get are really educated children who come and work for you and then your business succeeds. I just, this for me is so sensical. I don't understand this. Like you said earlier, Christine, you know, if you just listen to the teachers, you really, you would understand if you just listen to us. There's a, a whole domino effect that can happen that just people need to realize. And not just assume the buck stops with, well, taxes. <laughs> you want me to pay taxes? What? Yeah. And um, I did have a woman who said to me one time, I said, well, you have a, you have a little girl sitting right here. She's going to go to public school, I assume. Yeah, probably a charter school. I said, okay, that's a public school for in- all intents and purposes. It is a charter. Uh, mm-hmm. pu- charter school is a public school. Even though they get paid a little differently, they still get our money mm-hmm. and they will still benefit from this. Um, mm-hmm. But why won't you sign it? She says, because I plan to make over $250,000 a year. I said, are you married? And she says, yes. And I said, do you file jointly? I'm like, of course, she's, she doesn't have to answer any of these questions because we're sitting at a Dutch bros outside two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, you know, and we have our kids and, and she says, yeah, I'm married and no, we don't make $500,000 a year. And I said, so then why wouldn't you? And she says, well, we want to make that someday. And I said, but you don't make it today. 
Girl, I if I I want to find wow. that girl, Dutch Bros. If you are listening, Dutch Bros. Woman, how's that working out for you? Yeah. Are you making five hundred thousand dollars? You're not. I'm this just is curious. insane to me. <laughs> yes. And 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 here's the thing, though. Here's where I'm going to go a little bit further. Maybe I delete this in post. But if you are fortunate <laughs> enough to make five hundred thousand dollars a year, the idea that you think you shouldn't have to pay for the education of the citizens that you interact with every other day, this sense of, so congratulations, you make $500,000. Now make it possible for everybody in this state to make $500,000 a year. Right. Uh, how wonderful. I want to raise it so that everybody has the education, opportunity, possibility to make $500,000. Now it's your turn. You, you know, I've, this you know is, I've heard this idea of a process. I think it's like one of those famous people that talks about like building wealth, right? They talk about this idea of a prosperity mindset that everybody has the opportunity to 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 be fortunate enough, right? And they say everyone has the opportunity to do what I'm doing and make nine million dollars by watching a TV show, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. yep. Um, if that's true, then you have no problem sharing this money. Because we will all be there with you pretty soon. Yeah. Right. And if yeah. it's not true, you're super selfish. <laughs> <laughs> Deep into like, the mic. You're super selfish. <laughs> you are selfish. We'll be right back after an ad from our most loyal sponsor, ClickBloom. Hey friends, Denise here with Click Bloom, and while we've got you here in the underground, let's take a minute to list four ways you can help small businesses this holiday season. Number one, follow their social media. This will help them to reach larger audiences and establish more connections in their community. Number two, leave a Google review. This bumps their SEO and traffic. Number three, share your favorite businesses with your family and friends. And number four, shop small as much as possible. And if you're on the lookout for some unique gifts and stocking stuffers, stop by click-bloom.com. I, well, I did have a question because, um, man, the petition signing during COVID, I just, the whole, the whole gaggle of you guys, I just, it was really impressive. And I did go like sweat it out in my mask and I ran over to Starbucks. You may have actually been at the like the day I signed so like hey hi <laughs> that you were there and I I think uh, uh Berg was there too and it was it was delightful um but yeah I just with the whole rigmarole of like going through like the COVID petition signing for our audience who is like going to be so amped up to hear this and they're just going to be ready to sign petitions for let's say Sarah's trail mix initiative um what what is something they really really need to pay attention to because i know the throwing out of signatures was definitely a, like a worry for a lot of us cuz i was very i was like watching everybody like a hawk but what's something they need to know if they're going to sign a petition so they get their signature counted actually that's really interesting uh there are cases so like when you go to turn your petitions in they they look at specific people and they target specific people. Um, like I want to see all the petitions from X person. 
Um, and so like, I don't know how many times this happened. I actually tried not to do petitions. I tried to organize events, but not to put my name on the backs of signatures, not because of any other reason, but I was, I'm trying to flex my skills and helping to bring people in to feel like there's a buy-in, right? So like the goal is that we all have a part in it. And so some, some people that, uh, do the petition gathering are paid and some are not. And, um, so, you always want to make sure that, you know, you have the best integrity when you're going out and asking for signatures. Because I find that sometimes when you're a paid signature collector, not me because I've never been one, but they don't necessarily um, have that same investment in, in a piece of legislation. So it's really important that we all do our part and get one petition collected or one signature collected and that we feel that a piece of investment so that you know that you can do it again. You know, look at what happened with COVID mm-hmm. again. If we go back and talk about the parallels, how they're similar and different, you know, in 2008, uh, six, well, I don't know, whatever, uh, when the walkout happened and, um, and we felt our power, we felt our power. If you were in the district that I'm in now, you didn't actually feel as pressured as the district that I was in before where I had to call in mm-hmm. every day by two. And if you didn't Same. call in every day by two, then you were in trouble. I'm in your current district. And so you and Sarah I've... was in my past. If that shirt is. is yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. <laughs> so I remember that. Right. And I remember getting the call on the last day and listen to this. My principal called me and said, you have the opportunity to make up four hours right now if you'd like to. I said, oh, uh, what do you mean? She says, well, we heard that, they're, that they signed it. And I said, yeah, but we're still there right now, right? And um, I'm already downtown. And she says, well, you can come in and make up four hours if you'd like to. I said, okay, is my team doing that? Because we agreed as a team we would not go in. Yeah, mm-hmm. solidarity. Yeah. Every day, I remember every day we call each other and we said, are we going in? We're not going in, right? We're, gonna, we're not going in, mm-hmm. right? And every day we had to talk each other into this yeah. <laughs> and, and my team members went in and I said okay what? I gotta I gotta go and so that's actually when I put my application in for the new district but not because they they thought the fight was over they didn't know you know what I mean like they right. didn't know they didn't they, they listened to what they were told I mean I don't even mean it like that I don't I don't wish them any ill well no I know you're no, not no. you're not angry at we're not angry at teachers. So I think what I'm hearing a lot about this activism and Prop 208 as an extension of Red for Ed is that with Red for Ed, this was a lot of human beings' first encounter with activism, and yes. it didn't work. Yeah, It really didn't work. We didn't get anything. Like, we got lied to. We got, you know, um, lied about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the actual legal action that came out of it that seemed so promising went nowhere. We went back in our classrooms and at least in my district with students were like, are you going to walk out again? You know, as, yeah. a, as it was like a joke that, you know, that was great. It was a nice vacation for us. And it was, so it just felt a little bit like we were laughed at. Um, and, it, you know, there's pl- there's groups that have still have that stigma on us from it. You know what I mean? And have created this whole demonization of anybody that actually did that well, and so it's really it's stuck and, and you know? fast forward to this year right the year of yuck but also yeah. the yeah. the the year of 
um, deep realization on many people's parts that, again, Mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter, there are inequities, and teachers want what's best for kids. The way that we're fighting for it right now is is really empowering because look at what J.O. Combs did with uh, COVID, you know, stuff. They didn't maybe change a whole lot for a whole long time, but they worked really hard and they have this newfound solidarity with each other that they didn't have before, right? And and um, in the district that I'm in now, you know, there's, there is some solidarity happening in a way that it didn't have to happen before. Um, and I know that like in a lot of the Phoenix districts, like we are seeing such progress and movement um, towards, um, dare I say, someday becoming anti-racist um, and, and, and more uh, in line with equity. Um, and Prop 208 will allow that to happen, will allow that our professionals continue to grow, will allow our custodians and our cafeteria workers and our bus drivers and our um, our aides and our secretaries to have a living wage. In what world is it okay for you to work at a school and make $12 an hour? In what world where you have to come to right. school every day? Nonetheless, during COVID, let's pay people what they're, it's not even what they deserve. It's their if we are going to see the humanity in people, we need to do this. We need to see each other for our potential. We need to, you know, put money into scholarships, which is one of the components. We need to put money into career and technical education. We need to put money into mentoring so teachers don't leave after three to five years because they can't make it work. We, we put money into teacher salary. And we put money into kids so that they can feel valued, so that we can see the value in them, the humanness in them. Hi, friends. You might notice that my voice is a little bit gone. That's because I've been teaching through a mask for three weeks. And I've also been coaching swim still. And I've been cheering my kids on at the state qualifying meet this morning. It's become something of kind of a meme that you should thank a teacher, that teachers are heroes. And that's a little bit frustrating because we should pay our heroes. What I tell my kids when I coach is that there are no shortcuts. What I tell my students when I teach them is that there are no shortcuts. There's no substitute for hard work. There's no substitute for an occasional sacrifice. Prop 208 is that hard work. It is that sacrifice. We need to fund education We need educated students. At some point, friends, you're going to be in a nursing home. And you had better hope that that public school educated nurse is really good at math when she is giving you your IV drip. I just think about all the countless ways in which we are dependent upon public education. I don't think it's a warm and fuzzy issue. I don't think it's about doing it for the children. I think that funding education is critical for the continuation of our democracy. And I don't know any other way to say it. I'm not being hyperbolic. I don't want you to thank a teacher. I want you to pay your teachers. Not in Starbucks gift cards, although those are also wonderful at the end of the year for teacher gifts. 
but in a living wage so that we can just take care of our families in the way that we need to. Thank you, listeners. I appreciate you. This has been a production of Underground Media, produced by me, Sarah Frechette. A special and incredible thank you to the human being that is Christina Bustos. Thank you for your time, your expertise, your inspiration. And thank you to Sam Luce, as always, for the music.